Why why was that then? Just the I technically probably wasn't as good as I thought I was and I wasn't ready. If I'm really honest, I wasn't. I'd been doing home buyers at the corporates and I was stepping up to building surveys. I was getting myself in a little bit of trouble and only because I just didn't know enough. And honestly, he he helped me in that regard. And without him, and someone to bounce off all the time, that bounce thing, you know, whenever you're stuck or whenever you've had a claim or just, just to lessen the load um, allows you to move forward, doesn't it? So that was, yeah, your spot on with that. Welcome to the Survey Hub podcast, the podcast for surveyors who just love what they do. I'm Marian Ellis, and in today's episode, I catch up with Mike Shandell, Director of SelectServe, surveying practice in South London, specialising in survey and valuation for a diverse range of residential and commercial clients. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Good morning, Marianne. Thank you very much. Now, we're both a bit nervous about doing this podcast. Uh, me, because I haven't done one for a little while, and I'm sitting oh. here with a bad back. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, because I think you think I'm going to lift your the top of your skull up and get everything out of your brain and yeah, all your secrets. It's my, th- it's my therapy for the day, for the week or the month, isn't it? Yeah. So tell us, a, tell us a bit about uh, what you do as a surveyor, Mike. So... My company and my partner's company is called Selector. We're based in South London. We do quite local. I mean, I think we stick quite locally. We do a lot of residential surveys and valuations, all sorts of valuations. I have branched off slightly that I get a little bit bored with a, a kind of everyday same thing. So I do now commercial schools, stuff like that. I'm trying to get into a bit more schedule of conditions and commercial rents, reviews and things like that, just because the monotony, maybe like any job in life, it's, I, you know, you just have to vary, I think, to keep it going. So that's what we do. We're, we're very, we're doing very well. Market has slowed slightly, as everyone's saying, but that doesn't matter. It's a good time to take stock. How did you come up with a business name, Select Serve? Ah, now you've got me. Is that a good lead in? So I don't know. I just, about... I'm okay. just, I'm just always, I'm just always uh, interested because. Okay. So some some people so, talk about giving like, like a you know like a parent's name or using their own name, or yeah. whatever, and a name has something, and then there's quite a few that use like you know serve on the end. But I, yes. you're just saying it. I was just thinking, oh, why is that? So this is so we're going straight into this one. Okay. So when I, my old modeling agency was called Select Model Agency. Ah. So I tick select and serve, and it just said bang. So let's just go down this avenue. Now you've got salt to it. Okay. So how did you how did you get into surveying? What did you do before? Because I I thought you I remember you saying you were a teacher at one point. Were you? What do you What do you? So I'm going to run through my timeline of life quickly. So I'm t- well, my 22 now. <laughs> so um, plus 30. Anyway, I'm 57 now. So I started life as a teacher, PE teacher. Got, can you believe it? In the 80s, somewhere, somewhere in the 80s, got scouted to become a model. And this was unexpected, to say the least. So I cut out the teaching when I travelled for 15 years, so 18 years. While I was, while we got to the end of that career, because I was getting fatter and older, 
I thought I've got to do something else. So my partner now, Scott, was a surveyor for eServe at the time. And I used to talk to him and we'd known each other since we were three. So we, were, we went to kindergarten together. I was American. And um, I then studied at um, White Knights in Reading, did the correspondence course and did that while I was traveling a lot, got that degree and then went into two or three years before my APC. So that's when, and then, then went around the corp, worked for eServe and uh, another medium sized firm and then started our, we started our own thing in 2015. So when, you say, so when you say modeling, we're not just talking yeah. about like, you know, Aaron, Aaron knitted jumpers you know, in woman's <laughs> own magazine. Are we? It did <laughs> turn like... out to be like that at the end. That's why I gave up probably. Yes. But no, the eighties were a really weird time. So the eighties, a male model in the seventies and was probably thought of as being a certain. Type. So the eighties brought along a lad culture, very much a lad culture. So normal guys were then, I suppose they were in advertising, they were on TV, and then moving on to that lad culture you've got in magazines. So, I mean, when I started it, there were there were very, very laddish guys. There was, you know, it was a very, and the whole industry was quite geared towards very glamorous time because of you had the supermodels time, didn't you? You had all that kind of thing. So I got into then, and I was lucky because I started at, I didn't have to start Aaron Jumpers or whatever it's called. You know, I didn't have to start there. I started quite high up just so I got a few really good campaigns and advertising and commercials. And that allowed me to kind of take stock. And and then I moved moved around the world, really. I went to Italy, France. I lived for two, two years in New York. I lived in California so and Japan. So I've lived kind of – I spent 10 years traveling pretty much. So being a – like prop, like a proper model, catwalk type. Proper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there are a million questions I can ask you about what's the most ridiculous outfit, what's the most famous person you've met. But I'm, I also want to say, what did you, I mean, you know, for people who sort of travelled around the world, what kind of properties did you live in? Did that inspire you into, to you be a what? surveyor That's in really, any way? really, really <laughs> interesting because it did. It actually did. I'm not just saying that. So when I would, I mean, I don't I don't want to say I was a big property person, even though my parents had moved a few times, done a few developments, etc. You know, I, I was interested in property, but it did. So if you go down to California, you look at all the timber houses, you go to New York, the brownstones, you know, Paris, you know, all around the world, we have our different styles, no? So you walk in the streets all day, you can't help. And my thing is always to my kids, look up, look above the shops, look up. So that's why I always did. I always looked up everywhere I went because I knew that was the uh, the world that was kind of unseen above above the shops. And so it did inspire me. And what it did, it allowed me it just, it's hard to describe, but it taught me a lot. So, so say in surveying, we always talk, the guy who taught me was very old fashioned. He said, rely on your senses. You don't need a damn meter, blah, blah, blah. You can rely on your senses and all of this and your emotions in a property. Well, if you take, if you go back in time a little bit and think about, you know, if you're in a in a Hamburg bunker doing a photo shoot and it's cold, why is it cold? It's cold because the construction of the property. So you kind of think about things and, and you get to a point where you've seen almost every property around the world. And so type of property, and which helps. But funny enough, nowadays, I'm, I feel much safer just in Victoria and Edwardian in London <laughs> because it's too hard out there. So that's the weird thing. But, yes, yeah, so it did teach me something, and it did start the journey. See, I think being a surveyor, particularly residential, 
it is quite um, a sensory, mindful thing, yeah. not to get too woo-woo, yes. not that I am, but it's, you know, when you walk into a property, we use all our senses, even those that we can't even identify as such advanced human beings, that you get a gut feel that something is wrong or something's not quite right and we're there to prove, you know, and, and to find it uh, rather than ignore it. So I totally get that whole that whole sensory piece. And and also I think when you're walking into people's homes and just like you travel the world and lots of different things, you pick a, up a lot of um, culture and the way that people live. You know, um, yeah. some people... Taking your shoes off in Japan. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Things, that thing, the respect, you know, the fact, you know, you learn so much. You know, you learn, weirdly, you know, Japanese people, which I didn't know until the time, you, they don't like to be given gifts. They see it as a bribe. That resonates with our industry a little bit, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? So I think about things like that, lessons learned over time, and you use them, and hopefully that's what it gives you. You know, that's why I, my my 18th birthday to my kids will be travel the world for two years and go and don't come back. Get that that culture and that that life yeah. experience, uh, and I think particularly on the residential side, it gives you that bit of maturity of having to deal with different people, different backgrounds, mm. the different things mm. that you see, good or good or bad. It can be as difficult walking to a really yucky, poor, rundown property for whatever reason, as much as it is to go into a high-value property, knowing that there's no way on earth, even if you won the lottery, that you'd be able to afford something no, like that. It would be quite, quite, quite intimidating, so you get to meet people from, from all different ways. So the more life experience you have, even if it's just – picking up the phone, you know, and on working in a call centre to being a, a model travelling the world. How did you, can I ask you about that transition then, going from yeah. from that to working as a surveyor or, or setting up your own business or doing something different? Because I come, a lot of, I come across a lot of people who do this. A lot of surveyors come into surveying later on in life. It's a, a second career and that's a good thing. But sometimes... Well, I used to notice that it was state agents or people who had property-related interests coming over into surveying. But I remember um, I used to teach valuation on the, the Sava course a, a number of years ago. And I remember in the group, there was somebody who was a baker and I, uh, there was somebody who repaired pianos, you know, and we were just looking for the candlestick maker, <laughs> you know, in there. Yeah. Uh, you People come from, from from different sectors and I do think it's, it always sort of feels like quite quite a leap. But how did you find that transition transition going from something well, to Well, I think there's two sides, isn't there? Um, there's the running the business side, which I found very natural because my parents were self-employed. As a model, you're self-employed. That's how it works. You're, you're given a kind of, you know, now they'd call it zero hours, zero hours contract or something, but that's how it works. So you do your own tax, VAT, everything. So that's very natural. That side I find very easy. The other side, the dealing with people, again, I found quite easy because of maybe I was 45, I think, when I got into it. The side that I found the most tricky, if I'm honest, is dealing with staff and related around business. That has been always tricky because I was a one-man band and now we're growing. And um, it's not this tricky. It's just le lessons. I don't, know, I don't know anything about it. I don't know, so I'm starting again on everything. So... And as you get older, it probably gets a little bit harder. So if that answers your question, I didn't find it that difficult. So I was lucky enough, like your baker, maybe, who was self-employed, I don't know. That's mm. that's probably the hardest 
jump that. So, like, my partner Scott, he would openly admit he doesn't like that side of things. He just doesn't like it. That's my my side. Do you know what I mean? And and that's what you you often find in a, a business or a you know business partnership is you have somebody who does the technical stuff and somebody who sort yeah. of runs the. He's a technical ten side. times better than I am. Yeah, and I am probably the business brain. Even though we're both getting better, hopefully, like a marriage. We're starting to, <laughs> we're both creeping over to the other side slowly. Um, and it is a marriage, isn't it? Mm. So how have you found running your own business then since, what was it, 2015, you said? Oh, I've loved it. I've loved it because I think I was ready. I think that's one thing. I don't know. I look back and I look on your hub. And I look at some of the young guys and girls panicking a bit and I can really feel for them because that is tough out there. You know, some people haven't had a mortgage, some people are in a home and they're, they're running their own business and I wouldn't want to do it. I'd find it tough. And um, so I found the business to be up and down, but what I do is I just chill out and don't take a short-term view. I take the yearly view. I don't ever look at the fluctuations of the market. But what I do is we do and you told me this and i'm sorry because i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say this but when you helped us me you taught me to have weekly meetings which though i say i don't fluctuate one thing i do fluctuate on is my prices so we're on our weekly meeting that we have with chantel up here we talk about prices and fees and where the market's going but what i don't do is i take a long-term view there's no point otherwise you're just going to panic and we've seen enough wars, famine and stuff, haven't we, to know that we've got, this is my fourth, fourth recession in my life or something. So it's fine. It will be fine. It is really hard out there for, say, younger surveyors or newer surveyors into the sector because the property market does go up and down. Yeah. Or rather, depends which newspaper you read as to whether there's a crisis and a crash and, yeah. and, different, and different things. But you have to be... You have to understand why you do it, what you're there to provide. But it's so easy to, you know, read some read something, hear somebody panicking. Uh, and when I see, you become very reactive, don't you, to, well, yes, you hands do. in the air, you know, some, somebody somewhere's got a claim. That's it. It's the end of the world. Why should I be in this business? Similarly, you know, as we're recording this today, you know, a medium-sized firm has um, ceased trading. I saw. Surveyors who've, yeah, who've lost happy, their, yeah. their, their yeah. jobs. And it's interesting because I've been contacted by um, a number of surveyors who don't run their businesses, you know, work for, for others. And they've been, they're so disenchanted, if you like, about you know, their hopes and dreams for a career and all of a sudden it's doom and gloom and you get into that into that spiral. And and I do think a lot of people don't, and a lot of surveyors don't understand enough about business. They don't, 100%. I can see the mistakes all the firms. I mean, if I may, and this is quite insensitive, but the best, of, you know, as you get further away from your locality, and you spread yourself thinner, you're more open, aren't you, to the fluctuations. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I could walk down the road here and clap on a ballot, go and see a couple of agents and drum up work for next week if I want to, or make a few phone calls. Do you know what I mean? It's just easy because it's trust. And so I think that's, from, if I'm wrong, I may be wrong, forgive me. There's firms I'm seeing going tend to be the ones that are spreading slightly and 
maybe too quickly, maybe, you know, sometimes. I wouldn't do it now because I've seen that mistake. Yeah, it's hard. It's very difficult to. I think, I think you're right. It's it's spreading yourself thin. It's it's chasing the, the fee. Chasing whereas, the fee. And, and I think that's a really good point. It's something I sometimes ask my clients, you know, is if you had to earn £1,000 tomorrow or this week, do you know how you could go and drum up that business? Hmm. And a lot of them don't. They'll be saying, well, I'll get on a panel or I'd sit and wait for the work to come in. Or, uh, But you have to, you know, if you're in front of your own business, you have to know how to do that. And it's a reminder that that's all you need to do. Yeah. You know? yeah, you, you, yeah. I don't know. Everyone's different, aren't they? And everyone's locality is different. But I do think, going back to what you said, I mean, I think if, you know, almost a business lesson to all the young guys would really help people. It really would. You know, you're kind of, rather than, we always focus on surveying, don't we? Mm-hmm. Maybe we should be focusing on, especially now, what is the business? You know, VAT is like, it's going back to school, isn't it? Whoever taught you about VAT, whoever taught you about tax, whoever taught you about anything financially. And it's what we lack. And and I think that's, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that's... But, that's... If you, but equally, if you don't know, and that isn't your bag, you find somebody who does. You know, just like you and Scott in your you know business as a partnership, yes. you know where your responsibilities are and you know you've got the right jigsaw pieces if you like to put so i started it forgive me i kind of glossed over this i started this for a year by myself and after a year i was either going to give up or bring scott in if scott said no to me i think i would have given up i found it too i'll go back to the corporate sector i found it too hard why why was that then just the i technically probably wasn't as good as i thought i was and i wasn't ready if i'm really honest i wasn't I'd been doing home buyers at the corporates and I was stepping up to building surveys. I was getting myself in a little bit of trouble and only because I just didn't know enough. And honestly, he he helped me in that regard. And without him, and someone to bounce off all the time, that bounce thing, you know, whenever you're stuck or whenever you've had a claim or just, just to lessen the load um, allows you to move forward, doesn't it? So that was, yeah, you're spot on with that. I'd always recommend someone does it with someone else moving starts a business if they can so it's quite right at the moment there's a you know a bit of a culture of well i'll start start up on my own they they new new starters find it hard to find mentors or yes. to find the right role whereas firms don't necessarily want to take on trainees or there are some who work for themselves and they don't want to help others because it's a bit of competition in the patch and it's a nightmare to try and try and navigate you know yeah, I, I have to it say is. But, but the more I guess we can just talk about it, the solutions will be found. You know, we don't have to have all of the answers, you know. But... Okay, so this is, I think, you know, I'm quite proud of myself because I wouldn't have done this at 20, 30 or 40, just trust me. So Jeremy, you know, I'm a, to sit, so you never met Jeremy, but Jeremy, Jeremy decided to go by himself and he still sits next to me in the office. He's still in the office and more than welcome and... And because now later in life slightly, I realise that there is a lot to be gained from both of you doing it. I'm watching him. I see his enthusiasm. One, I'm bouncing off of that again. Two, you know, he's not trying to stitch me up. He's trying to like do his own thing in his own life. And you get to that point, don't you, in life a little bit more when you bring me out the block a few times. It's a bit like, you know, being married four times or something, isn't it? And now um, you just get, hopefully you learn from that happening. And um, so, uh, yeah, that I think, and I don't would never have done let him sit there in my 20s, 30s. It would have been competition. It would have been 
it would have been someone who is absolutely trying to, you know, take something from me as a lion that I'm not going to allow. And I don't see it like that at all anymore. I think there's enough work for all of us if we do the right thing and we do the right job and everyone's, you know, real cool. There is enough but, work. But I suppose it's a bit of life experience that, yeah, you know, experience. Uh, that's got you yeah. to, to, to that. There's a quote that I sometimes rattle off to people by a lady called Bernadette, Bernadette Giwa. And it's, when you know who you are, you're not competing. I love that. It's good, isn't it? When you when you I know who you are, what you're about, why you do what you do, when you're, not you're, not, you're not competing. Yeah. When you can, yeah, when you can stand back and say, "I'm comfortable in my skin," is a nice feeling. <clears throat> and I was funny enough. I was talking to someone the other day about who are looking at my children and thinking, "Oh my god, I'm so pleased I'm not young." It's so it's so difficult to be young, isn't it? And anyway, it's going. You know, we all learn and live and learn. But what I suppose what I want to say to if anything, to the younger guys, is oh, take your time because it's tricky. It's tricky. Don't get yourself in trouble. Because once you burn yourself, you burn yourself, haven't you, in your locality. Take your time if you can. There's no rush. You know, I, was, I think, you know, because I, 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 you know, I believe that these kids, unlike you and I, well, you're younger than you, but, you know, they're going to live to 100 and they are, you know, if they started their career at 25, you know, at 45, they may have burnt out anyway and won another career, and that's good as well. So I think they've got to realise the flexibility, they've got to be flexible in their brains now, and they've got to be emotionally flexible. And I, I just, I'm a really big believer that stop beating yourself up and just move on, move on, keep moving on. You'll be fine, but don't rush if you can. Don't rush. It's taking the time to learn from failure, but also learn from your successes and even things like and I, you know we do this in my in my mastermind you know at the end of the week just reflecting on what's gone well you know if it didn't go well yeah. what did you what what did you do to overcome it how did you get get through it and just sometimes taking that time to to reflect you know just like you have your your weekly meetings and a check-in and <laughs> it can make such a, a difference but when you work for yourself you don't always don't always have that it doesn't mean that you can't do it Sometimes it's just, you know, it's setting yourself a little reminder to check in how with it. I do it myself. I work for my, myself. But it does help you then with that that growth mindset, I guess, of noticing what's going well, what isn't. If things didn't go well, why was that? Was it something to do with your work really? Or was it actually just because there was stuff going on in your life? Physically, are you tired? You know, you're not well. Is it different stuff? Because we're, we're all human at the end of the day. It's interesting you say, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say that, and sorry, I'm blowing your trumpet all the time, but you told me something to do, and it's been invaluable. I just ask people, my staff, how they are. And like, oh, my, everyone opens up to you. I'm just really shocked. I've never asked anybody how they are. Good morning, what are we doing? You know, work, always work. Just people open up. And it gives them the freedom. And do you know what? It sounds really stupid and... Since I've said that to them, like people just weren't taking holidays. I was like, that's great. I love it. But please take holidays. You're going to burn out. Please, please, please take holidays. Now people take holidays. I think we've opened that space. And silly things, like just said, it sounds really a bit hippy-dippy, but it's worked. Thank you. Well, you know, it's um, what you're doing. You're creating psychological safety. Yeah. You know, it's the, those those spaces where people can say, actually, I'm not coping, or they can say, 
actually, Mike, this is not right. This is not the job that we should do, or this yeah, is, absolutely. you know, a, a risk. And and it starts with those those small things, you know. But creating that, and that's all part of employee engagement and and things. But creating those spaces where you can can speak is so important because you work with people. You know, just going back to your, you know, the, the hardest part is managing people and, and all that comes with that. It's been the biggest lesson to me. Absolutely. I'm not ever going to get it right in this lifetime, but that is it's one thing I've just had to start at zero and start, you know, and it was, yeah, it's a lesson. That's a hard one. Like you say, even though you say that you're, you, you're self-employed, you work by yourself, you, you interact with millions of people, don't you? Whereas millions as if millions <laughs> I heard at the harbors, but yeah. As, um, but yeah, I mean, where we what do we do? We see I see some this morning. I said, Hello, how are you? Property five second chat in and boom, gone. Now in the office all day by myself, aren't I? So that and that's so yeah, it's it's learning to yeah, it's good. And I think the Jeremy situation when he hears this podcast, hopefully we're happy. It, that's from you that allowed me to be that person as well. It's much better much better can i ask you how you feel about being a leader of your business you know sort of being in charge i don't like it i don't like it if i'm honest Mm. it's my least favorite thing because politically i don't really believe in the kind of pyramid downwards thing i believe but but then i am a hypocrite because i like having a bit more money in there (laughs) (laughs) so i kind of like oh i'm like a champagne socialist aren't i in my mind so I don't enjoy the leadership thing. I enjoy the business kind of quote thing, like you were just saying, it. like I enjoy planting one seed and see if it goes, where it grows, but I don't enjoy, I tend to leave the leadership thing to Scott and Chantel and a bit more, I think. I think I do anyway. Yeah, I don't find that very interesting because the typical leader is a bit authoritarian, aren't they, and a bit... And I've had that at my jobs in surveillance, and well, I don't well, I really think, like it. You know, I think I think leadership is is interesting because leadership isn't necessarily the same as being in charge. You know, you can be in charge and make decisions, but leadership can be lots of different things. You know, you're you're a leader in terms of the way that you you know rally the troops, the way that you manage the business the way that you work with people in your, the three of you in your, you know, your leadership team. And I often see that uh, some surveyors, well, it's interesting. I, I love people watching survey, <laughs> surveyors, but we've, because I've got like some surveyors who are in charge because they've been there the longest, but they probably absolutely hate managing people yeah. with all the HR type stuff, you know, they but they love the being respected for the technical side of the, the job but so the leadership role they've got you know sort of more people leadership rather than technical leadership authority if that if that makes sense it does i think that when the corporates i see i saw better surveyors in the corporates still there than ever started their own business but they just couldn't make the switch in surveying practices i tend to find and people won't like this but we're not quite as good technically as these other guys but we're better business so and perhaps leadership so we just have those qualities i think you can it makes me think about succession and the fact that someone it's a good business to buy us a surveying firm you make x amount of money per year pretty steady 
And you can be a businessman and run it from the top just as a business. And you can then just run a team, can't you? So it's almost a good business for a, a, a good practice for a businessman just to walk in the door and make a good amount of money out of as well in terms of succession, in terms of you don't always have to sell to the trainees. Does that make sense? That's probably what yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, is, it does. It does cross into business quite a lot. And we see this actually with some some surveying businesses out there where they, they've got non-surveyors running the business. Yes, I've and seen then, it. But then, but then you have a bit of a, a disconnect of trying to run it in a, a slightly different way to the way that surveyors yes. and, the, and the market want and what's yeah. needed. But it's just being in tune, isn't it? You know, you you can have anybody in a leadership position as long as you all gel as a team and you understand what's the vision for the business, what's the plan, what yeah. are you there, who are you trying to help, what's the the reason, and just keep on coming back to that and, and aligning to it's it. It's a business plan, isn't it? It is a plan. It's a plan mm. that you've got to keep. You've got to have business. There's a reason why banks ask for business plans when you want to get a loan, isn't there? There's a proper reason. I mean, putting the science to it is very, very important. And you keep that... You keep on that path, and the moment you veer off of that path, like we've been seeing with some firms having trouble, is when you when you do get yeah. Keep to that plan always. Don't ever move. Our motto is always be local. And I notice as soon as we get off of that path, and I accept jobs that were not in my locality, I get myself in trouble a little bit. Which is pretty obvious. What RICS says you shouldn't do, and blah blah blah. So you know, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no. Again, it's not rocket science, but I just. So that is my number one thing. Keep keep local. And it's just come back to knowing who you are and what you do as a, a business, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and yeah, yeah, yeah. So it works for us. Yeah, and I think it's always worked, you know. And I think that's probably what I'm not saying the guys who are starting, because the guys who are starting have got enthusiasm and they could travel a lot more and they could do all this. But I think if you can keep local in your locality, you will do better long-term. One of the things I know you're passionate um, as a business is like supporting charities. And I know you do a bit with um, Battersea Dogs Home, don't you? Only because I'm a softie and I love dogs more than people. Tell, yeah, tell me about how that how that comes up. Oh, so about. it really came about by, I have two lovely boxer dogs and which I adore and um, I was doing, I was asked to do a job for them. And then I went there to, because so they need all these commercial people now as I'm trying to get more into my commercial. They they need a health and safety plan every five years or so for each different part. So it could be a metal stairs and I've got to go along and just check the metal stairs is fine, sign it off and um, look at the corrosion, blah, blah, blah. But, and then while I was there, I was looking at oh, the top. I mean, it was just like heartbreaking. I could have never left. I could have stayed there my first time and I just stood there all day and night. And so I just thought to myself, if you want to give something back, where do I want to give something back to? So what I do is I put pro bono work for them now. They call me up and I just go down and do their health and safety stuff. And I know dogs are only dogs, but I just kind of feels like I'm doing something. And what it does, it allows us to also as a firm so say I'm doing, I don't know, let's, for instance, last week I went and helped an older lady and just did a little job for her and said, don't you, you know, don't pay, just send £100 to Batsy Dogs Home. So it allows those little things in the community that you can do. 
without being awkward. She's got a checkbook out, you know, from Abbey National or something. And I'm, I'm going, no, just, you know what I mean? I haven't seen a check for about two years. But, and I'm just saying, no, just send, you know, she said she was going to go down there to the cafe on Sunday and give them £100. So I love that. I mean, it's my little bit so that when I go upstairs to meet my maker, he will take me in. And I think there's something there for, I think, for a lot of people on, you know, yeah, you've got your business and the, and the things that you do to earn money, but there are so many different ways that you can make an impact or make a difference to the the things that, that matter. One of the things that I, well, I do all sorts of things because I go down rabbit holes, you know, with my women in survey <laughs> and the, the surveyor hub and things like that. But every time someone books in, to do a podcast or joins a surveyor hub um, or joins my mastermind, then I use something called B1G1. And it's like a token thing. Yeah. And it sort of like makes, um, you know, like a, a donation and it makes impact. So it's not just, you know, donating a tenner to somebody being collecting bricks. So every time we did some uh, surveyor hub sessions earlier on in the year and, you know, a load of bricks were donated to help someone Brilliant. build a home. And, and it's making an it's making an impact. And you know, it, listen, if I can do it as a small business by myself, then lots of other people can do lots of things. But I suppose some people feel it's a bit inauthentic. Maybe I don't know. Sort of pairing with charities or donating with things. I think. But, I but think it's how you approach, probably, I suppose, yeah. isn't it? I think again, would I've done it in my twenties? Well, I don't know, man. I think I think I'm looking forward. I'm I'm planning my life, and I'm thinking I'm 57 now. Okay, I'll stop at 65. I'll be doing a couple of surveys a week. Then what do I want to do? Okay, so my where do you want to get back so that when you do go upstairs, he does let you in, keep your shoes on. So I want to get back by, you know, maybe schools. Let's say schools. Let's go down the school route, you know. We can give back, can't we? We can give back church charities, anything. Just give back. And I think, but then maybe that's an older thing, is it? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I think you I think you get to a point in life maybe where the work you do has to be more meaningful it has to be, it has to be you know you you might be on the hamster wheel yeah. of you know doing the work earning the money or bringing up the kids whatever it is but you just get to a point where what does this mean what's what difference does it make and and I don't know whether it's I know there's other people who listen to this who aren't in residential but when you see people's lives and you see the things that are important and the roofs over people's heads and and you think, well, if you can put yourself in a position to make a difference and it's not that hard to do, then why wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason yeah. not to. If you can just, well, I know and I get the, it's not authentic and stuff. I get all that. But it's just like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm the first to criticise people, you know, the Bonos and the Stings of the world. If I had a revolution, they'd be first up against the wall. But that's just my little personal quirks. Um, but, you know, so I agree. I agree. It's, you, I think I liked it. makes me feel good. It's selfish as well. It makes me feel good about myself. Well, that's the thing. If it, you know, it's um, it's hard not to do good without feeling good at the same time. Yeah, I agree. And then there is, and I think, you know, well, where are we going to use this knowledge? How are we going to use this knowledge? My kids don't want to be a surveyor, so won't want to be a surveyor. So how am I going to use it? There will be knowledge and there will be boredom time in the future and, and you know, put it together. And we've got a really good thing going on to help people, haven't we? 
you mentioned before about our kids leave it, leave, living to yeah. over a hundred, and you you just talking there about the the future and your retirement plan. And, and do you know what? In my head, I can just see you being a dog walker. Oh, know. I've got a bad hip. Cat walk, cat Apart walk from dog the bad hip, you can get me to the front of the hip replacement list, maybe. Um, <laughs> do you know what? Yeah, so true. Yeah, wouldn't that be lovely? What What do you think about the the future of surveying? Not for it to be a. I see. A big I, I question, don't really. But... I haven't been down this wormhole of AI and stuff and stuff. It's still a people's business. Well, residential is still a people's business. What are you going to do? Send a drone in there? I don't understand. Maybe you might tell me now I'm, there is a – I think the future of surveillance is very healthy. I don't think we can be replaced. I think certain parts will be replaced. But then again, taking the old ordnance survey maps out of the drawer against looking at on the net have been amazing. So I think it's going to be more efficient. I just I, – Unless I'm missing something, I think the future surveillance is very healthy. It's very healthy. I can't see a downside to it. I personally, am I wrong? I think, is there something I'm missing? Uh, <laughs> I think it's evolving, just like surveying has always evolved. You know, there was a time when we didn't have home buyer surveys, for example, and. More information and data, you know, like maps online and the upfront information and all of those things is helpful, but it doesn't help you feel, perhaps as a home buyer or somebody who owns a home, feel confident or to know what to do. You know, you have all the information in the world, but what what do you do? And that's where I think as surveyors, and perhaps the way that you run your business and the kind of surveys that you do, you don't don't feel it as much because you probably do it already but some people don't interact with their clients they they don't talk to them about their fears and worries you know so when when people are phoning up to get a survey you know and to get a quote they're probably you know most people talk about when can you do it how much is it you know terms all of those things whereas a starting point of a conversation could be tell me what you're worried about what do you think I can help you with? You know, and you yes. start to tune into those really personable yeah, um, bits. And and that's where talking to clients and understanding people can, can really help. So whatever information comes, you know, or how things change, it comes back to the, you know, surveying being sensory. You know, you move it in. Is what sensory. is it going to be like to live in this room? You know? well, so I, I would think that, I mean, this is a guess. Chantel would tell me better, more. I would think we get, I don't know, so every year, say we get 10, 10 inquiries a day. Let's just say 10 inquiries a day. So we get 50 a week. My maths is terrible. What's 50 times 50? And then, but that's how many, you know, different clients we're dealing with, aren't we? Mm. Different personalities, different emotions. So we, you need to start off. You need to start off with the question, what, yeah, what do you want out of this? What's worrying you? What what can we do for you? Can you give me a list of what you want? We need to start that before you start the quote. You have to, you're spot on. Because otherwise you can't you can't deal with everyone. You've got to have you've got to know them slightly. You've got to know what foreign buyers are like who are buying from Hong Kong. You've got do you know what I mean? You you get to feel so that yeah, that that's an interesting way to, to put it. So you know, 10 inquiries a day, 50 inquiries a week, that's 50 different people who all want different things, have different expectations. 100% different. How, how do you how do you manage it? And yet they're all coming to you for what? They're coming for, to you for peace of mind and comfort, first of all, I find. Yeah, and reassurance. But touching on, yeah. 
And that's the number one thing they're looking for. They're looking for a safe pair of hands going back to back in the day, especially that probably used to use. And then, and they're moving forward. And now because my brain is jumping, what we're talking about, I mean, what's the future? So is the future going to be to do with the environment, how we deal with our houses in the future? All that. So that's the rabbit hole I haven't gone down enough because I'm too busy. But that is the change of the future probably, isn't it? And it probably catch me out. But that's where it's going somewhere. I've started to see um, health surveys for houses. I've started to see, I had a client the other day that, that said he was being employing a surveyor after my survey to spend £450 on a health survey to walk around the property when he moves in. I was like, I'll have that money. I'll do it. But, you know, clever. Someone's jumped into that market. Future plan, his house. He wants to live there 10 years with his wife, bring up two children. He wants to start. That's, you know, he doesn't want surprises. And that's the difference, isn't it? This is moving away from here's a report, which is sold effectively as an insurance guarantee. Whether yeah. we say the words or not, that's the the impression that's what that it the, is. the public, yeah. public have. Yeah. Yeah. But what they want is help with how do I live in this home how does it keep me safe for the next 10 50 years how you know how can I expand it when I discover I'm having twins or you know yeah. I'm getting a boxer dog or, or whatever yeah, yeah how do you knock that wall down is it safe is it is that ward load bearing all those things that hopefully you're the next point you yeah, come back to you but I think it's changing quite rapidly in that department it's just mm. that that reminds me, I've got to take someone on to do all that work. Um, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard because that's a big field. I mean, that is a whole new field. It is. It's a great but field. But it's... There's, so there's a, there's a couple of things I'd mentioned. There's a um, a new RICS, I think it's a guidance note on healthy buildings. I'll put a link to it in the show notes oh, and brilliant. send okay. it to you. Yeah, yeah, um, because that's, that is you know, how we live in our, our homes and it being healthy is a is certainly a way, something that we should all have on our, our radar and our challenges surveyors is how do we bridge that gap between you know this utopia of everything being healthy and sustainable and great and bringing it back to the reality of you're walking into a, a property today and what does it look like and, and how do you, you help somebody yeah. the other thing on the on the sustainability side and energy efficiency in those side I think it's a really interesting time I've tried to push myself to attend different events webinars training um, I'm doing some retrofit training uh, 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 next month. I went to a, a webinar, the Har- uh, sorry, the Harris debate in um, the RICS, which was all talking about how is it going to be funded and and all of those things. And so much of it was over my head. Yeah. But the more you sort of familiarise yourself with it, the more I start to see, you know, how we can sort of bridge the gap or or understand. But the thing with the whole sustainability piece is that. Right now, we don't know if the things that we're doing to properties are going to help or hinder in the next in the next twenty years. Are they going to be the defects of the future, like we're seeing with spray foam or, you know, uh, external wall insulation and things, because it's not being done properly, you know? And it's so it's hard to sort of go down that road because we don't know what we're. There's no certainty. There's no. No, we don't know what. So therefore, it's it's hard to advise clients on what the right or wrong thing is to do and so it's sort of having that watching brief of how things evolve until the right course comes along or the right uh you know bits of information but there's there's certainly for for clients you know they they want to know more and 
being energy efficient is not the same as sustainability and saving the climate and getting to net zero because all the things you might do to a property could be different. And what we seem to be missing is what's that whole bigger picture? What's the whole vision? Which is for someone to live in a home that's healthy and keeps them well, that doesn't destroy the planet at the same time. Because if we don't look after people, you know, we can look at, we can focus on the planet, but there might not be people to live in it on the planet. You know, what we, comes first? And it's that sort of bigger picture that... We should be at the far forefront of this, shouldn't we? I mean, even in front of architects, really. But then unfortunately, someone like Phil Spencer would come along and take our thunder again. But, you know, we really should be, shouldn't we, somewhere? That's our job, isn't it? It is our job. It's not for me because I, you know, but it's for the next bunch I think to come along and really grab that, and and push that forward. I mean, I think we're in the middle transition at the moment, aren't we? Like you say, I, I only saw my second ever external um, render insulation render the other day, and it was damp inside. I never. So how do I learn? I'm in the middle of yeah. London. You don't see it. So how does one learn? But we've got to go on these courses, of course, and 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 find it's going to come more and more and more. Yeah, and this is where if we're really if as a uh, you know a professional we're really committed to this, then all of this stuff has got to be readily accessible, you know, the norm, you know, included in our fees or whatever. Yes. So that it's it's just what we do. You yes, know, and things it's... got to got to, to change. But at the moment it does feel like we have to find the time, push ourselves to learn stuff that seems quite alien to and, us and i'll, I'll be know. really honest i wake up some mornings and i see a client has contacted me and i see something flash on my email when i'm in bed and i think oh no it's a complaint because i haven't spoken to them for six months but it's actually just saying to mike how are you doing i was just wondering this question about you know is that wall of it but so you hide you hide you start to hide it's really bad but you do you kind of hide in your head because you're worried about the claims culture and things like that. So it's trying to find the balance of all these things. And I think it's difficult. Yeah, it's very, now you're talking to me. Now I've got all interested in this now. Suddenly I'm going to start going on these webinars. <laughs> they are send, actually really... I'll send you a link to it. <laughs> okay, okay. You've got me now going, now thinking about it. But it's, it's, interest, it's interesting you saying there about that about claims though, because it, it does scar us. They are upsetting they're few and far between in context, you yeah, know, and I think are. we have to yeah. remember that. But yeah. it's quite an emotional thing to to get over as much as a practical and sometimes financial thing to, to get over. And I suppose that's where, as our profession and roles evolve, you know, it moves from not just giving someone what they feel is an insurance guarantee and then drop you an email six months to say, what does this bit on the house do, Mike? Or, you know, can I ask you a question? And it's evolving that relationship to the thing that you do is, yes, you give them some initial advice, but then you plan in that check-in three months, six months, where are you at? What can I help you with? And it becomes the norm, which sort of diffuses that. It does diffuse. That's the word. If you can do that, and I have done that on occasions when I've seen, how can I say the house is a bit, bit, you know, the house is always going to throw up a lot of problems. I can feel it. And they're not ready for it. They haven't read the report. So I do try and check in occasionally with these people on these ones, and it does diffuse a lot of problems. But it's having time, isn't it? A medium-sized, small-sized firm, it finds it hard to have time. Oh, but you see, that's that's where... I mean, it is initially taking a leap of faith, but it's it's repositioning what your service is. So mm-hmm. your service isn't just, here's the report, 
I'll yeah. speak to you before and after, you know, yeah. if at all. Your service is, I'm going to expect the property. We are going to talk. If you're going to work with me, we are going to talk afterwards. That's non-negotiable. Let's book in the time to do that. And you're paying for that. And you're paying for me to speak to you again in three months and six months. If they and want to, they can. Yes, it's, okay. it's changing the it's taking control and saying yeah. this is what the service is. And I do this because yeah. if you don't read this report, you might have a shock and you're not going to understand something. And I yeah. want you to know everything that you need to know so that you can go and do what you need to do. And I think there's a real responsibility here with consumers who are paying, who are buying a property and who are paying for a report to bloody use it. Just yeah, like when you, buy a, it. when you buy a car and you put it on the road, you have to have a, a driving license and you mm-hmm. have to take on that insurance <laughs> and have that responsibility. Yeah. It, when you buy a property, you have to take on that responsibility too to make sure that you're keeping it safe, that you're looking after it, that you're maintaining it. And, you know, you can go on about, you know, how it's the most expensive thing you'll ever buy and, and all of that business, but it's also going to be the most dangerous thing potentially if it goes on fire yeah, um, absolutely. in terms of your, your health. And so there's a responsibility for you to, okay, you're buying a property to keep you warm, safe and dry. What are you going to do to maintain that? I was speaking you know? to someone yesterday and he'd had, his next door neighbour had a fire, gutted the whole house, which is rare. He said it's fantastic for them because they've been put in a hotel for a year. He's got to live with a smell coming through the solid walls in his house for the last year, and his insurance company won't do a thing about it, nor theirs. And I was like, that's very interesting. So I know there's all sorts of laws you could push it, but are you going to? And you're right, you have to, yeah, you, there is a responsibility to live in a house, isn't there? It's a big, and especially flats. Grenfell, we're yeah. going down the Grenfell route, you know, there's not, but you know, there's a big responsibility here. And and that's where I guess you then get into, you don't want to go down to the victim shaming. It's not the tenant's fault that a property is is damp and often landlords blame tenants for, for all sorts of things. But there's a balance here of, we don't teach people in school to cook properly, to do your, mm-hmm. your finance, to manage condensation and how to live in a home. You know, there's some basic life skills, sadly, just as we don't recognise that actually if you're going to have overcrowded properties, if you're going to have lots of people living in a house, which means it's sweaty and condensation, then you've got to build for that purpose, you know, or or, or make sure that they're um, you've got that responsibility to make sure it's safe and comfortable. Otherwise, people will do whatever they need to do in the home, you know, in terms of heating on, heating off and, and all of those things. And so it's quite yeah. hard, I think, to look at buildings in isolation without people. I um, I started last year doing a lot of housing disrepair work when it was a little bit slower. Over my eyes. Tell, um, what, I mean, tell, me, tell me about that. For for some people who've never done that, what is what is that? So I was working predominantly for landlords through, through a company, very good company, if they're listening so I would have to go along and I, normally I think what happened was the tenant made a complaint or a number of complaints had then gone to a no window fee solicitor. I'd come along working for the landlord council association just to inspect the same time as their survey. And we're looking and, and it's 99% condensation. It is awkward condition, condensation related issues. But I think what the eye opener for me is honestly how people live. It's difficult. It's difficult to see 
So the, sorry, the basic inspection is no different to any other inspection in life. You know, it's the cause, finding finding the trail and following it. You know, it's the same thing. There's no difference, but it's how people live and, and not their fault. The poverty is in this country. You just don't realise. I, I mean, it's been a long time for me, you know, and you, you don't do those flats when you're surveying, really. Them local authority well, deep into about- Deptford flats as much as maybe one I used to. Yeah, I was just about to say, on the residential side, you end up you're you're doing remortgages, you're doing house purchases. You're not. I've done ten thousand of those. I don't. I haven't seen what I saw in housing disrepair. I promise you, it's a whole world I haven't seen before. It's deep into terrible kind of landlord country, and you know what I mean, and just neglected houses and lack of education to tenants. Of course, there's always that, but. I mean, it made me realise, you know, and now what I do is I, I take my older boy who's a teenager into some of these estates and I say, have a look around you. Mm. See how lucky you are. It's not nice to live. It's not a great place to live if you can help it. Anyway, and that's maybe, kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah, and maybe that's the um, that that's the thing that we, we just need to remember as surveyors. We talk about, you know, how diverse our clients are, how diverse surveyors are. In the work that we do. Oh, no, but but... we're middle class, home buying class. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. We're, there is a whole world, isn't there? And this sounds patronizing. There There's a whole world out there that is the non buying public. And it makes me think about you know the rented sector more and how it's treated and how long term tenants should be treated and all these things. And, and it's just very interesting. It's a whole side that, again, we probably don't have time to deal with, but we should be looking at more. And, and maybe that's the 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 thing that that surveyors we need we need to do is either get experience of that work because let's face it I'm sure there were some juicy defects in there that you could yeah. <laughs> that you saw yeah. that you never had experience of yeah but it also means that you've got solution solutions and it brings that cognitive diversity of thinking of problem solving and we only have to open up our blinkers a little bit more to join these sustainability webinars to understand a bit more about housing disrepair you know and it just opens up our eyes to what's out there and it just gives us a different bit of a different perspective that can that can stand us as surveyors and property professionals in good stead to help save the world well yeah (laughs) i mean it won't be in my lifetime but i think i'm hoping some of these guys will i'm hoping girls will i hope that's what they would do and they will they will then they will have more one eye on that side that we maybe weren't brought up with. And it'd be natural to them to think. Do you know it would, but do you know what you say that? Not in my lifetime. But you might live, you know, quite long. I'd smoke for twenty years. <laughs> so did my, my grand say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. on forever. <laughs> but I think but I think that's the thing that I would call you out on in the yeah, you're right. not you're in my right. lifetime. Right. But some of it can work in a lifetime. And what people like you, you're not that much older than me, but people that, that like you can actually contribute to others to help it happen. Oh, don't you're inspiring me now on a Wednesday. <laughs> uh, like and, uh, yeah, no, it's true. It is true. There is more. There is more that can help happen. And yes, we should. We should. I suppose how, how, how? On a small level first. Your firm so changes its work. It's, that's all it all takes. Starts, that's all, yeah. that's all how it starts. Level, yeah. You start to look at that side of things and you move on, yeah. And um, 
It's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. And on that note, Mike, yes. it's been lovely to talk to you today. <laughs> As you. I leave you with that, right, I'm going to go and change my business. And <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know it's been, yes, sorry if I've babbled. No, it's been fab. It's been fabulous to talk Honestly. to you. Thank you so much for your time. I really no, appreciate it. It's been my it. pleasure, and um, it's always lovely to see you and speak to you. Thanks for listening. If you're new to the podcast, do check out some of our past recordings. And when you're ready, leave a review on Google or Apple iTunes, or you can buy me a coffee. All the links are in the show notes. And if you want to find out more about how working with me can support your surveying business journey, just drop me a message or take a look at the resources for surveyors and small businesses at lovesurveying.com. I'll see you next time.